Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So Georgia will play again on Saturday as more than a 30-point favorite against Vanderbilt. There have been a lot of those games, the dogs, in recent weeks. And in some of those performances, Georgia has looked better than others. I thought better on Saturday against Auburn. But prior to that, most folks kind of thought Georgia slept walk through the game against Missouri and kind of was disinterested in the game against Kent State. And it seems like for a number of weeks now, Georgia has just been playing the kinds of games that It's almost, if you just want to be very honest here, it's a struggle to have your opponent even hold your attention because the opponent that you're playing is just so overmatched. Well, if that has been true for Georgia, and if that might be true for Georgia again this Saturday, the one thing that I think fans realize is coming up in a couple of weeks, that will no longer be true. And eventually we're going to see Georgia in really kind of the stretch run of the regular season where every game for a good number of weeks is going to provide its own challenge, and in some cases for some fans, maybe even a greater challenge than they may have assumed before the season began. Obviously, got the hated Gators here coming up, and then after that, you start thinking about a Mississippi State team, which I don't know that many fans had much of a thought about during the preseason, but if you look at the week's current AP poll, you see the uh, Bulldogs currently ranked 16th in the uh, Associated Press poll here right now. To say nothing of a team like Tennessee, which I think some Georgia fans kind of always knew was going to be one of Georgia's marquee opponents uh, for this season, but it seems sort of more marquee than ever. The Vols now number six in the AP poll. They've got Alabama coming into their stadium on Saturday, ESPN game day back again, and all of a sudden there's this thought of, Ooh, what if Tennessee wins that game and sets up this sort of clash of the Titans in a few weeks in Athens between the uh, Dogs and the Vols there? Tennessee, because of the fact they're undefeated, because of the fact that they've played pretty well in some of those games, has kind of gotten the anxiety of some Georgia fans up. And there's a question being asked right now among some Georgia fans. Wow, Mississippi State's better than I thought they're going to be. Is Georgia ready for that game? Or uh, Tennessee is way better than I thought they might be. Is Georgia going to be ready for that game? Well, obviously, I'm not inside the Georgia program on a daily basis. I can't tell you everything that's going on. But every now and then, we can make kind of an educated guess of what might be happening around UGA. And here's what my educated guess is. I'm going to lay out my evidence as to why I feel this way. But my educated guess is is that when it comes to the month of November, when Georgia plays teams like Mississippi State and plays teams like Tennessee – that the dogs actually might be far more ready for those games when they're played than maybe some Georgia fans actually realize. And that the preparation to get ready for these, you know, kind of tricky games has been going on for quite some time. That while the Bulldogs and the Vols may sneak up on some fans, they do not sneak up on Georgia based on evidence we sort of have from the past. Let me kind of set this up this way. I want to go back to the summer for a minute. This was in August, August 20th to be exact. Kirby Smart that day after uh, the second summer scrimmage, you know, in in the month of August when Georgia starts its practices, they work hard during the week. And then on Saturdays, a lot of times they'll have kind of a scrimmage. They'll go to Sanford Stadium. A lot of times boosters or former players or, you know, big wigs of some note will invite it to be a part of that. And it becomes something pretty close to real football. It's it's an opportunity to kind of make a name for yourself and use what you've learned in practice kind of 
you know, on the field and something that kind of approximates a real game. And in some respects, you get the impression that playing time is kind of won by how you perform in a scrimmage like that. Well, after the second of those scrimmages for Georgia this past summer, Kirby Smart was kind of turning the page on kind of the camp phase of Georgia practice, that moment in which you're working on fundamentals and trying to, you know, basically work on yourself and get as good as you can be to the other stuff that Georgia was going to do, eventually getting ready to for Oregon. But I want you to listen to this clip. I want you to listen to what Kirby Smart says near the very end of this clip. It's almost a throwaway line. It doesn't really get your attention in the present tense when he said it back during the summer, but it's worth considering right now what he might have meant by this. Listen to see if you can hear it. This is Kirby Smart from back in August. Take a listen to this. I thought it was warm today, which was great. We needed it to be. It was uh, not as hot last week, so I thought the temperature um, allowed us to play through and push. Um, I did not... um, think we, we maybe started with as much energy during practice uh, as we did last week, but we did uh, sustain better and had uh, good ebbs and flows. You know, offense made some plays and some situational stuff. Defense made some plays. I was pleased with the overall effort and uh, very pleased with the toughness we've kind of had in camp. And at this point, we'll be you know moving forward towards getting prepared for some future opponents and uh, then start on Oregon. So Kirby Smart says, hey, at this point in time, we're going to start getting ready for Oregon. That's who Georgia played week one. But prior to that, we're going to work on some future opponents. Did you hear him say that a moment ago? We're going to work on some future opponents. Now, when I said that, that kind of stuck out in my mind, and I sort of you know, sort of filed that away there for the moment. But now that Georgia's in the midst of this 2022 season, I think it's fair to wonder, well, who were those future opponents that Georgia was working on? I'm going to lay out my case here for a second that the future opponents that Georgia was working on when it said it was going to be were very likely teams like Mississippi State, teams like Tennessee, who just so happened to have pretty rankings next to their name right now, who just so happened to run pretty tricky offenses and have the tendency to kind of challenge whoever they're playing on a week-to-week basis. But I believe that Georgia probably foresaw that challenge, and I believe that Georgia has probably been working very hard to get ready for it. Let me kind of explain why. Because Georgia has a little bit of a history of doing this kind of thing. You may remember in Kirby Smart's first year as Georgia coach, they lost to Georgia Tech. It seems hard to imagine that now. But in 2016, in Smart's first year, they lost to Georgia Tech. And you kind of got the impression that Kirby Smart was saying, that ain't ever going to happen again, that being ready for the triple option or being ready for whatever Paul Johnson was doing at the time was something that Georgia was definitely going to do. It's not a conference game. It's not the kind of game that you know most people expected Tech to win much going into the future. But Georgia wanted to make sure they were just ready for it because what Paul Johnson was doing from a triple option standpoint was just so different than anybody else. You'll remember that when he was the Tech coach, that Georgia knew it had to get a little extra prep to get ready for something that was so different. And Lorenzo Carter, who was a Georgia linebacker, now plays for the Falcons, but was a Georgia linebacker at the time, if you want to go back to 2017, talked about the way in which Georgia got prepared for the weirdness that is the triple option offense. Let me show you this quote on the screen. This takes you back to 2017 for a moment with Lorenzo Carter. He said, we've been working on it, meaning the triple option offense. We've been working on it pretty much every week for a long time. He says, sometimes you get rusty seeing as you only play it once a year, but seeing it once a week, you stay on top of it. That's what Georgia used to do, according to Lorenzo Carter, from that season, 2017, to get ready for a triple option offense. Even though Tech wasn't a very good team, 
even though Georgia could have probably won the game, you know, for the most part, even if it wasn't quite so sharp. Georgia wanted to make sure it was extra sharp, so it worked on that triple option offense a little bit week after week after week. And you'll remember the 2017 game. Georgia completely dominated Tech. Did the same thing again in 2018. After that, Paul Johnson got fired because the triple option offense just no longer worked against teams like Georgia because they were just too ready for it. Georgia got very sharp against that triple option offense back then. And now they don't have the triple option to prepare for anymore. So what do they prepare for? I believe it's offenses like what Mike Leach brings to the table, and it's offenses like what Josh Heupel brings to the table. In fact, let me kind of see if I can accentuate this even further by using some of Kirby Smart's own words to help explain this. Do you remember when Georgia played Mississippi State in 2020? This was the pandemic year. Georgia won the game. It was kind of a weird game in which Georgia you know, had JT Daniels at quarterback. Mississippi State was a huge underdog. The game was closer in Athens than it should have been. But leading into the game, Kirby Smart said something very interesting about the need to prepare for the Mike Leach offense. Let me show you this quote from Smart back in 2020 when it comes to Mike Leach. Now, remember what we just heard Lorenzo Carter say about the way in which Georgia got ready for the triple option. Well, Kirby Smart on Leach in 2020 said that his offense is similar to an option team and that you have to defend it patiently. You have to defend it and you have to have the ability to deny the ball. So Lorenzo Carter told us, hey, when we play the triple option team, we prepare for that week after week after week. Kirby Smart in 2020 told us he kind of views the Mike Leach offense, a team that George will see later on this season, as almost like a triple option offense in that you have to be patient in how you defend it and you have to deny the ball. You have to be really, really sound in terms of your preparation for that. So let's connect the dots here for a moment. If the triple option is just weird enough that Georgia felt the need to always prepare for it. And the Mike Leach offense is, in Kirby Smart's mind, at least similar. I'm not talking about in terms of the way it's executed. I'm talking about the way in which you have to defend it. If it's at least similar enough to the triple option, wouldn't you assume that the stuff that Georgia used to do week to week for Tech, it probably now does week to week in getting ready for Mike Leach? And wouldn't you assume that they may even do that doubly so for a team like Tennessee, who also runs a little bit of a weird offense because Georgia knows it's going to play Tennessee each and every year. In fact, let me show you one more quote here from Kirby Smart. I'll read it to you. Once again, getting ready to play Josh Heupel in his first year as Tennessee coach last year in 2021 about the challenge of preparing for this Tennessee offense. Very, very insightful commentary from Smart who says, you can't really simulate that in your practice, so you're always trying to find a creative way to practice for it. It's so different than the triple option. I'm not trying to compare it to the triple option, but it's so different that it's hard to prepare for, kind of like the triple option used to be. You can't simulate it with your team unless you do it. It makes it tough to prepare for. So Kirby Smart says over and over again there, hey, this Josh Heupel offense is just so weird because they do spread you out so wide because they do play so fast. It's so weird that if you can't simulate it in practice, you can't really prepare for it. So guess what I'm guessing George has probably been doing? They've probably been practicing with their scout team at least a little bit week after week to be better at that offense so that when they do practice for it during that week, the scout team is actually more ready to simulate it. Now, they're not going to do it as well as Tennessee does, but we know that Georgia gets a good look from its scout teams. That's one of the reasons why the Georgia practices are as effective as they are. So once again, when Kirby Smart back in August of uh, this year says, hey, we're doing some work to get ready for future opponents, I think the two teams that Smart likely had in mind then were two of the teams that fans have in mind now. Mississippi State has turned out to be better than some people assume. Tennessee has actually turned out, at least based on the hype right now, to be better than some fans would have assumed. 
They may have snuck up on Dog Nation a little bit, but I have a sneaking suspicion they didn't sneak up on Kirby Smart. I have a sneaking suspicion because Mike Leach does run a little bit of a weird offense. He has had Smart's attention ever since Smart saw this game on the schedule. And because Tennessee's a division rival and Josh Heupel is kind of a creative coaching mind who probably has the respect of other coaches because of the fact that what he does is so unique and so weird, that Smart's also been thinking about this a lot. He thought about it going into last year's game. He probably thought about it even more coming into this year's game. So as you get ready to consider the stretch run for Georgia, more interesting games coming up on the other side of this uh, game against Vanderbilt on Saturday, just know full well that the dogs have been thinking about these games, I believe, a lot longer than you have. And Georgia knows how well it needs to play when you get to those moments. And it's been working for quite a while to make sure it does just that. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're glad to have you with us no matter where you find us today. Whether it be 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app, 10 a.m. after that, across all kinds of video platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, of course, uh, podcasts. I, I tell you, I, I just still love the fact that our podcast continues to grow and, and continues to do so well. Thank you all so much for making that such a stable platform for us, including the Apple platform, which kind of gave us a little bit of a fit a few weeks ago, but that seems like it's been fine ever since then. So we're really happy about all of that. And radio, of course, and 960 The Raft, just so thrilled to have so many people on board with us and so thrilled about our mission. Go for two in 22. That's what George is doing and getting ready for some future opponents probably helps you be able to do that. So we're excited about those games when they are played. And we're excited about our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia, because much the same way that Georgia prepares week to week to be ready for whatever it's going to face, ESOG has been preparing for a long time to be ready for whatever you might face. Now, for Georgia, it's opponents like Mississippi State and Tennessee. For Engineered Solutions of Georgia, it's opponents like waterproofing issues, foundation troubles. Those are formidable rivals as well, especially if it's the kind of thing facing your home. All the more reason why you want a great teammate like ESOG on your side, because they have an entire team of folks ready to do great work for you. I'm talking about engineers. They have an entire team of engineers who understand how all of this stuff impacts the structural integrity of your home. There's nobody else in the market that can put those kinds of resources to work for you the way that our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia can. They're also proud partners of UGA, which makes them fun to do business with. Longtime friends of ours at Dog Nation Daily, and I sincerely thank those of you who support those that have supported us and uh, Jay and the entire team over at ESOG. You better believe they do that there as well. So if you see the cracks in your walls, if you see the water creeping in where it's not supposed to be, reach out and give my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia a call. Because here's the good news. When you pick up the phone and dial, and by the way, the number is 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. When you pick up the number and dial, you actually may find out that the thing you're concerned about isn't as serious as it appears to be because they're a solutions-based company. They have solution in their name, Engineered Solutions of Georgia. So if it's a small, simple fix, they'll just tell you that. That's what they want. They want you to be satisfied. They want you to have your problem fixed. But if it's more substantial, all the more reason to have smart people doing great work for you. So that's what Engineered Solutions of Georgia is all about. Give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW, and that'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, we're going to get in touch with a couple of great guests here today. It's Jake Fromm, former Georgia quarterback. Before we're done today, Jake will share some interesting thoughts on 
what he's seeing from Georgia right now. He understands the quarterback position. What is he seeing from Stetson Bennett in particular? We'll talk to Jake Fromm about that here in just a bit. Connor Riley also pops by to see us here in a few minutes there as well. But before that, though, let's focus on Georgia recruiting. Let's go around the doghouse presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. And let's start with big news for the dogs in the class of 2023 yesterday as four-star running back Roderick Robinson flipped his commitment from UCLA to Georgia. And Robinson kind of put on Twitter, one of his big reasons why he says two of the best Georgia football coaching staff members got a lot of love for these two right here can't wait to get there and learn from them he's talking about David Hill one of the staffers and of course Del McGee the Georgia running backs coach he says thanks for believing in me and speaking highly of me the day he met me at camp and when you see Roderick tweeting what he's tweeting there and you understand that he takes the official visit to Georgia this past weekend I think one of the things that's the most comforting for me as a fan, maybe one of the things that would be most comforting for all of you as a Georgia fan there as well, it's pretty obvious that the Georgia recruiting machine really still works the way that it's supposed to. You know, UCLA is one of the better teams on the field right now out west. They, I mean, you can make a case UCLA may be the best team in the Pac-12. They have a lot of recruiting momentum. I should say a lot of on-field momentum right now. The quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson is having a great year. Bruins have actually looked really good on the field, just beat uh, uh, Utah on Saturday. But when Georgia comes a-calling for a running back, even a running back from that San Diego, sort of Southern California area, they uh, entertain him very well on an official visit. That happened this past weekend for the Auburn game. The show, the crowd, the atmosphere, the vibe was very SEC-like. Del McGee's ability to connect personally, other UGA staffers, their ability to do the same kind of thing. And boom, just like that, when Georgia really sinks its teeth into a recruiting battle like this, they've just shown the ability to win these kinds of kinds of battles I think this is great to see the Georgia machine from a recruiting standpoint functioning like it's supposed to oh yeah by the way Georgia now at what number two in the composite team ranking according to 24-7 sports the I guess the angst of the summer of what's wrong with UGA recruiting and the lack of perceived momentum when it comes to the the heels of a national championship all of that, once again, just sort of seems like a distant memory. We've all been through this before where you've been worried about Georgia recruiting and you ended up realizing there was nothing to be worried about. I guess this cycle is another example of that. Robinson, I'll admit, is not a back that I have been keenly aware of for a particularly long time. I mean, a couple of months ago, you started thinking more about him because it was pretty clear that this was a guy that was very much on Georgia's radar. But I totally acknowledge that I know less about Robinson than I know about some of the other backs that we've kind of talked about in the cycle but I also saw another message on social media yesterday that actually got me pretty excited I I wasn't aware of some of this let me show you Terrell Davis here y'all remember Davis as the great former dog pro football hall of famer and he was really on Twitter yesterday really supporting both Robinson and UGA he says my dogs just got stronger get a commitment from four-star running back Roderick Robinson out of my hometown of San Diego. And also, I didn't realize this. I guess Terrell Davis went to Lincoln High School there in uh, San Diego where Robinson's from. I did not know that. I, I was not aware that Davis and Robinson went to the same high school. But I, I love seeing the uh, the all-time great Davis shouting out RBU, shouting out Roderick Robinson, giving you the go dogs there. So that's a pretty big stamp and seal of approval there by Terrell Davis who obviously we have you know good memories of at UGA, but goes on to one of the all-time great careers in the NFL and became a missing piece, along with John Elway, to a couple of Super Bowls in Denver. How cool it is for him to say, hey, I feel a lot of kinship with Roderick Robinson, same town, same school, and obviously still representing UGA as RBU. I love to see that from uh, Terrell Davis on social media yesterday. And if you weren't already excited about flipping Robinson away from U uh, UCLA, that is certainly a reason to do so. Now, Georgia also added a name, 
with its 2024 class yesterday. And this is a player that I just frankly just know more about. Sakovi White uh, out of the Cass Colonels program, a guy that I saw play earlier this year. This is a guy that's playing kind of both sides of the ball at the high school level. I guess right now we're going to call him a wide receiver at the college level. But I think that Sakovi White is a, is a really dazzling athlete. And I think for a lot of people who kind of want that speed element on the Georgia roster, you know, where's your speed coming from? You know, where's your ability to kind of make guys miss the shiftiness, the athleticism? I think Sokovi White really has that. I, I do. I think this is a big time get for Georgia in the 2024 class. And of course, it always goes, you know, to be understood that a recruit from the future cycle is going to get less attention than a recruit from the current cycle. That's just the nature of the of the news media world. But trust me when I tell you, when you get around that 2024 class, I think you're going to be really, really glad that Georgia got Kobe White. This is a very, very good player. Uh, we saw him on TV earlier this year at Cass. That's a good program at Northwest Georgia. And I think that uh, you'll just be really, really excited about having a guy like that in the mix. Great athlete, a guy that does it very well on both sides of the ball, including at the wide receiver position. So good news for Georgia yesterday on a couple of fronts when it comes to recruiting. And that is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. And just like the dogs got some good news in recruiting yesterday, Georgia's Own Credit Union provides you good news there as well. When you use one of their Visa Signature and Platinum cards, you're going to get so many great benefits for doing that that you'll view that as good news because you'll be really, really glad you have one of these to help you do all the things you're doing this time of year. A lot of travel, some folks on fall break right now, going to football games each and every week, getting ready to do some holiday shopping. There's just a lot that's going on this time of year. And when you're making these purchases and doing the things you're already doing, uh, it all becomes so much more convenient when you have one of those Visa Signature Platinum cards to go along with this because when you use them, you're going to get some benefits which can be used for just about anything. Gift cards, cash back, travel, merchandise, so much more. You can also get up to $150 just for opening a new Visa Signature or Platinum account with our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. You know, there are some restrictions that potentially apply here, so you're going to want to check out the website for more details on that. It's georgiasown.org. That's georgiasown.org to find out more about our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union and those really cool Visa Signature and Platinum cards that they have for you. So make sure you check all of that out today. We're happy to have them as a part of Around the Doghouse for us here today. I talked about Tennessee a little bit off the top on the show open uh, before we're done I want to get a little bit into that Tennessee Bama game on Saturday a couple of interesting notes on each side for that game including some potentially very bad news for Tennessee kind of a troubling situation we'll get into that I told you Jake Fromm stops by I love talking to Jake because I think Jake's a good dude but beyond that I think there is some real value in when you're trying to evaluate Stetson Bennett both the great games that he had earlier this season the the maybe struggles that he had on Saturday Understanding this from a guy that's played that position at Georgia, that knows the attention that comes your way from that, that knows that, that knows just everything that's at stake in a situation like that, I, I think that's uh, really valuable. So we'll get that from Jake Fromm before we're done on today's program. We also have some very funny golden shoes related to the big recruiting news with Roderick Robbins yesterday, so we'll get to that there before we're done today too. So a lot to do before we're done, but for now, let's do a Kroger fresh take with Connor Riley breaking down where Georgia stands at kind of the halfway point of the regular season. Good to have him and all of you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Let's say hello to Connor Riley. Had a good time having a chance to talk to him on video yesterday. The Robinson News kind of breaking right there fresh off his official visit. We shared some thoughts on that on social media. I didn't have the world's greatest signal, to be completely honest with you, so we'll hopefully have a little cleaner conversation here right now. 
Uh, Connor, what do you like about Roderick Robinson? What do you think Georgia fans should like about flipping a four-star running back away from a Power 5 program out west? Yeah, Georgia goes in and they sort of just take UCLA's best offensive player. And this is a UCLA team that the fringe top 10 team, you know, real contender in the Pac-12 right now. And Georgia just goes in and sort of flips them and takes their lunch money there. And as far as what I like, you know, you look at this weekend, Branson Robinson, Dejon Edwards, the way they ran in that game, I think Roger Robinson sort of fits that model to a T, similar physically built, strong running back. Uh, you know, Del McGee has certainly had a type these last couple of recruiting cycles, and I think Robinson really fits into that and should fit in well to this Georgia running back room going forward. Yeah, I think that's important to note the Auburn game as a reminder for me that the rushing attack for Georgia is still going to matter. Now, under Todd Munkin, we're in year three of the Munkin uh, era here. The Georgia passing attack, I believe, has gotten better with each year that Munkin's been here. But that's not to say that Georgia's ever going to completely transform itself, nor should it completely transform itself and become kind of pass first, pass only, and disregard the rushing attack that some other teams have. The best version of Georgia still kind of leans on some of those RBU roots that have kind of made the program famous. Not three yards in a cloud of dust, not run first, run always, but running prominently to go along with a more robust, built-out passing attack. I think the game on Saturday against Auburn reminds me and should remind everybody about why recruits like Roderick Robinson will remain important. You've got to have great running backs in this program to be a great team. Without them, Georgia's just kind of not. Yeah, and you know, you and I have talked about the Georgia running game in recent seasons and how it's sort of, you know, it is not up to where it was in say 2018 or even the 2017 season. I thought the game we saw on Saturday was maybe one of the better rushing efforts we've seen under Todd Munkin in terms of the ability to consistently break off, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12-yard runs, because sometimes you see if you're able to make a guy miss, as say Branson Robinson or Dejon Edwards were, you can turn those 9, 10, 11-yard runs into 20, 25, 30-yard runs. And so if you're doing that consistently, uh, as you saw on Saturday, you're really just opening things up, wearing a team down. I don't think it's a coincidence that Auburn sort of gave out there in the fourth quarter and Georgia really exploded there in terms of the scoreboard and ended up covering a game. I don't think many people expected to be covered late there in the in the first half. So when you're able to have those explosive runs like that, it wears the team down over the course of the game. And I think you saw that on Saturday against an Auburn team where the strength of that team is their front seven. And Georgia just absolutely took their lunch money all afternoon. So the people that read your work at DogNation.com, these are Georgia partisans. These are people that desperately want Georgia to win and look good doing so. Understanding that, do you think that Georgia fans should be happy with what they saw on Saturday against Auburn? Yeah. I mean, again, you know, and I was a Georgia student when I was here. The Auburn game always meant a lot. Uh, you know, that 2014 Auburn game, I think, is one of the more special environments that I've gotten to participate in as a student. And, look, I understand, you know, wanting perfection every week. I think Stetson Bennett had a really great quote post game. I encourage you to go find yeah. it. Talking about, you know, we still got to have fun here. And, you know, while, yes, obviously you want to be perfect every week and you want to strive for that, know that it's not always going to be that perfect. And, you know, for you to go out and have a 42-10 to 10 win over a rival Auburn team where at the beginning of the Kirby Sport era, if I told you that, you know, you think back to that 2017 game, yeah, they're just really going to put it on Auburn in a way where, I mean, it's kind of stunning that Brian Harson hasn't been fired for the effort that his team put forth there yesterday. And so I understand where Georgia fans come from. I, I, you know, the dangers of social media is it's always a very vocal minority. Yep. 
uh, in, in terms of wanting to see more and obviously wanting that passing offense to look like Ohio State's. Um, but I, I do think that there are a lot of people out there as well who really enjoy the, the beatdown that they saw in the second half there on Saturday in Sanford Stadium. Okay, so I totally agree with everything you're saying there on two different fronts. A, I do think it is very important to celebrate moments like this against Auburn because if you have any perspective on history whatsoever, now you don't have to be like me who grew up in the 80s, even if you're just you know been following Georgia for a few years, you can look back to a time when the Auburn game really mattered. The fact that Georgia has rendered it meaningless now is a testament to how effective and dominant Georgia has been, which once again is the kind of thing that fans ought to appreciate. So you and I are on the same page on that. And then beyond that, in terms of the ongoing evaluation of what Georgia is for 2022 and how close they can come to, as we've been saying around here, hashtag go for two in 22, I thought this was a good data point in that direction for me on Saturday. This game does not belong in the category of struggles against Missouri, struggles against Kent State. I don't feel like this was that. I thought the issues for Georgia on Saturday were contained solely to one area. And that was the passing game. I thought the defense played better, I'd say, than it has all year long. I thought that the uh, running game was, in my mind, far better than it's been all year long. And for me, this was a step forward for Georgia after a couple of listless performances because while the passing game wasn't good, other areas that matter too were far improved, I believe, from what they've been the last couple of weeks. So I don't think it's appropriate at all to put this in the – struggle win category because they won 42 10 but even considering kind of the slow start here I don't think this belongs in the struggle win category the way that certainly Missouri would have and I would say probably Kent State you know did as well right I think this game coming so the the way the game played out and they coming so close to the Missouri game last week I think that's fresh on a lot of people's minds there but you know the red zone issues that we had talked about for the last three weeks they score five touchdowns on five possessions in there, and all five of those are rushing touchdowns. And I think that's impressive and important to note there. Well, yes, the defense didn't get any sacks. They were constantly pressuring Robbie Ashford throughout the afternoon, and they did that without Jalen Carter out there. And I think if you start to see that pressure rate sustain and stay at the level at which we saw it on Saturday, those sacks are just naturally going to come. They're not going to face athletic quarterbacks like Robbie Ashford every single week. And so I think obviously we've already touched on the rushing game aspect there. And yes, you do want the passing game to be better. And I think this really still the passing game in particular, it distills down to two plays. It's the long pass to Brock Bowers on the sideline in the first half, and then the one to Lad McConkey in the second half. If, if Bennett hits two of those, and he had told his reporters after the game, you know, when you miss those, those are the worst ones to miss because you think you have it and you think they're so open that you just try and get it to them, and he ended up missing those. If he hits those, he's got over 300 yards passing in the game and two touch, two passing touchdowns. And I think we're viewing this this whole performance drastically differently. So, uh, yes, they've got to be better in the first half there. I And you and I have touched on this, and I've written this. The wide receiver position, it, it is what it is at this point. They've got to find a way to create better separation with those guys because, as I think you saw in the first half there on Saturday, Auburn and teams going forward are just going to try and sit on those screen passes and those swing passes. You have to have wide receivers. You can include Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington in this discussion as well there. Guys who can make plays 10, 15 yards down the field. That way, cornerbacks and safeties can't play so close to the line of scrimmage and try and eat up those swing passes and screens that Georgia has had a lot of success with in the early part of the season. So we seem to agree on a lot of stuff here right now. Let me push the envelope here a little bit. I said on Monday's show, and I can't remember if you and I talked about this off-air or not, I said on Monday's show that 
for me, the Auburn performance in comparison to the Oregon game, which I think most people consider Georgia's best performance, certainly Oregon's turned out to be a pretty good team. Georgia dominating the way they did was quite a statement there that day. But in terms of the recipe for winning a national championship, I actually think you saw more of that kind of stuff from Georgia on Saturday against Auburn than you did against Oregon. Georgia threw the ball like crazy against uh, Oregon, but it overall wasn't necessarily a great day defensively. Even though you, you only lived, you know, you know, gave up three points, there were some some issues there defensively, and Georgia didn't run the ball particularly effectively against Oregon. Something I think they would have to do against the better teams they played. So on balance, I actually saw more national championship building blocks against Auburn than I did Oregon. Would you agree with that statement? So uh, this was essentially my instant observations column that goes live right as the game ends. The performance Georgia gave on Saturday was a 2021 performance. Yeah. Uh, defense, I thought, was sensational. They ran the ball incredibly physically when they needed to. Passing game left a little bit to be desired there. There was naturally some excessive, I think, criticism of Stetson Bennett and you know the whole, oh, we got to bench him, we got to move on, what are people seeing out there? And so I understand the line of thinking there that you put forth in that it was a championship caliber performance. Just because we've seen last season, Georgia used that same recipe to win a national championship. Now they're going to face better teams going forward, certainly better offensive lines than what Auburn has had going forward. And so I think what Georgia needs to try and find to do is find that balance between what we saw them do, especially in the second half against Auburn and that first half performance against Oregon. Because I do think, you know, the, the impressive thing about the Oregon game wasn't just that they were throwing the ball over all over the yard, it's that they came out and went touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And, and I, I think you're right in assessing the way the defense performed that day because so much of the way Oregon had to play was in response to the fact that the Georgia offense was so sharp and so crisp coming out. And so once you do that and have that and establish that sort of pressure, it allows you to, I think, see the second half of that game where Georgia just rode Auburn into the ground. And I think if you're able to strike a balance there where you're able to get off to, you know, again, you don't need to score a touchdown every drive, but you'd like to score points in the first quarter, something Georgia has not done in the last two weeks. And so if you're able to strike that balance there, I think that's the recipe to what this championship team for Georgia could ultimately look like. I want to ask you about Stetson Bennett here in a moment. Let me remind folks, though, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here today. As we roll through October, we're rolling towards Halloween. Halloween's a very big deal in my household, I'm guessing, for a lot of you who have young kids. Uh, it's a very big deal there as well. Well, all the stuff you need to make Halloween great, you can get at your local Kroger. The de- decorations, and by the way, decorations are now kind of a big part of Halloween. Um, the candy, of course, the kind you save and eat yourself, the kind that you give out, whichever. <laughs> and you can keep the good stuff for yourself for all I care. You know, I'm n- no judgment around here. Either way, whatever you need to be ready for Halloween, you can get it there at your local Kroger. Stop by and shop in store or start your experience online at Kroger.com slash Halloween. You can save up to 20% off right now on some really, really great stuff from our friends at Kroger. That's Kroger.com slash Halloween for a lot more on that. Connor, um, I'm a big believer in this, that the only appropriate conversation right now about Stetson Bennett is a present tense conversation. You can't relitigate the past, nor should you. His credentials well-established. The future, very difficult to predict. A lot of people showed you a year ago they were incorrect in predicting what Stetson Bennett would become. I don't care about their predictions for how he's going to perform in any other game this season either because uh, we already have a track record that some people aren't very good at making predictions. But in the present tense, I don't have any problem with anybody saying, in fact, I myself have said this, 
Stetson Bennett needs to play better than he did on Saturday and maybe better than he has the last couple of weeks. I think reconsidering the Missouri game, he was actually probably a little worse than I maybe realized at the time. In the moment, I don't think I thought it was as bad as maybe in retrospect, maybe it was. He hasn't played well in a couple of weeks here. What do you attribute that to? What is your overall thought on where kind of things stand with Stetson Bennett here right now? Yeah, I, you know, one, I, I think the big thing with Stetson Bennett is so many people were wrong about who he could have been, and, and they just don't want to move on. And they ultimately want to be, you know, proven right that they thought Stetson Bennett wasn't good enough. And obviously, I think that's always going to sort of linger around out there. Uh, I, I do think he was dinged up. Uh, he had told reporters after the game that he had been hurting a little bit against Missouri, and I think that lingered into this week. Obviously, Justin Tell notes. He comes out there extra early on Saturday and tries to warm up his arm and try and get it as close to, you know, comfortable as he can. I mean, again, I touched on this a few minutes ago. If he hits those two deep passes to Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey, I think we view this performance in a wildly different manner. And so that's the thing. And a year ago, you know, again, for everything that people say Stetson isn't, you know, you think back, he hit some pretty impressive deep passes last year. The one to Jermaine Burton in the, in the uh, Orange Bowl, the one to Adonai Mitchell in the national championship game. He's shown he's capable of making that play. And when Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey as open as they were, where a good throw in those situations leads those to touchdowns, you have to make that play. And Seth Bennett in the past has shown, I believe, that he's capable of making that. And so when you have an easy throw like that, you hear Kirby Smart so much, I think in the 2019 season, uh, when that offense is really sputtering, say, make your layup. I, I think that's what Seth needs to get back to. He's got to make those easy throws because he's shown – you know, he can make a dangerous throw here or there and pull it off. He's got the sort of arm zip to make that. And when you see him missing Brock Bowers in the manner in which he did, missing Lab McConkey in the manner in which he did, where if those are good throws, the walk-in touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Those are the throws that he needs to hit. And if he does that, I think this, this Georgia team is, once again, viewed as the best team in the country, which I don't think everyone necessarily agrees with right now. And that's really what he just needs to get back to, playing within himself, not trying to do too much. He told us on Saturday he thought they were pressing a little bit offensively because of the way they played that Missouri game. And I, I think, you know, again, it goes back to Stetson talking about having fun, being loose. They've done the hard part. They've beaten Alabama. They've won a national championship game. And now they're trying to repeat. And obviously there are greater expectations that come with that. But they need to get back. And I think Stetson in particular needs to just get back and playing within himself, not trying to do too much, not trying to do more that he is, because I think as we saw last year, Stetson on his own is a pretty good and very capable quarterback, and if he gets back to doing that, I think you see a lot of the discussion around him, at least as much as it can be, dissipate. Okay, so let me do, in a couple final seconds here, let me do the opposite side of that coin for a moment, because you say, hey, don't try to do too much, play within yourself, we all understand what that means. But what if maybe the opposite is true? I mean, I've been pushing for a while for him to run more. The 67-yard touchdown on Saturday, I think, is validation. That might be a good idea. But on our postgame show on Saturday, Connor, Terrence Edwards says not, not only does he want to see Stetson run more on you know true running plays, he wants to see him throwing on the run more because Terrence says he actually likes Bennett throwing you know, use, while he's using his legs, maybe more so than kind of the traditional sort of drop-back throw there. So – is there a case to be made here that at least in terms of doing more athletic things in the football field, throwing from that position, that maybe actually that if Georgia wants to get the best out of Bennett, they should use more of the athleticism that kind of separates him, I would say, from other quarterbacks on this roster and maybe other quarterbacks in the SEC? Yeah, and to that point, there's a long list of, of, of players who have gone on to play at the NFL level who are just more comfortable making plays on the run, rolling to the right, rolling to the left, however they do it, than sitting – 
sitting back there and standing in the pocket and trying to make the, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning yes, throw. And, and so I do think that that's where Stetson being banged up coming into the Missouri game, uh, coming out of the Missouri game, rather, I think that's where it really showed up against Auburn. There were a couple times where you thought, all right, a read option here, you know, Georgia let him use his legs. I think they were trying to mitigate the number of hits he took on Saturday. And then you saw in the fourth quarter that 64-yard touchdown run he had. That was a design call. They knew that they were going to have that. And so I think that they know going forward, you know, Stetson's at his best when he's using his mobility. That's a big reason why they went with him over JT Daniels a season ago. That's a big reason why he has separated himself from Carson Beck there. And so I think going forward, if he is as close to healthy, and again, it's the whole hurt, not injured thing, Yes, you obviously want to limit the amount of hits he's going to take over the course of the season like you would with any sort of skill player, but you have to find a way to use his legs to get the most out of him because I think that's a very fair point in that his athleticism is a very clear plus to this Georgia offense, and it was the same a season ago. You think the rushing touchdown he sort of created out of nowhere against Tennessee. Georgia's going to need him to do that once again in big games, certainly maybe against the Tennessee, maybe against the Mississippi State later this season. Connor, good stuff. I know you're playing hard a little bit today, so we appreciate you uh, spending some time with us, and we'll look forward to reading a bunch more from you at dognation.com and, of course, chat with you here on our Kroger Fresh Take on Dog Nation Daily again very soon as well. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure, B.S. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. We're going to ask uh, former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm about some of those topics. Let him share his thoughts on this coming up in just a few minutes there as well. Before that, though, let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I continue to hear from dog fans who are like, B.A., I'm going to be on that uh, cruise. I'm going to be on Independence of the Seas with you guys uh, heading towards the Bahamas here coming up in April, and I can't wait for it. Leaving out of... Uh, of uh, Port Canaveral on April 24th, going to Nassau in the Bahamas, going to the wonderful private island oasis that is Perfect Day, Coco Cay, taking advantage of the great things on board Independence of the Seas. And uh, here's one of the things you got to know is like we have specially selected the the cruise ship that we're going to be on. Now, we didn't charter the cruise ship. That's not what I mean. What I mean is we had our entire sort of slate of ships that we could choose from, and we chose uh, Independence of the Seas for a reason because it's got a lot of the onboard amenities that we think uh, dog fans are going to love, and we have a track record of saying that dog fans love this because we had dog fans on us uh, with the cruise uh, last April. But, for instance, there's a Playmaker Sports Bar and Grill right there on Independence of the Seas. This is the kind of thing, if you want to go back, you know, 15, 20 years ago when it comes to the cruise industry, you shouldn't see this kind of stuff. You know, the ability to watch all the games, the ability to enjoy the great kind of, you know, like bar food that you like to enjoy. That This was not really a cruise thing a couple of decades ago. But one of the great sports bars you could ever go to is a Playmaker Sports Bar and Grill on board Independence of the Seas. There are also other specialty restaurants like Chops Grill and Izami, the uh, 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 hibachi, uh, teppanyaki, I believe they call it, hibachi-style restaurant, and uh, you know, Johnny Rockets. And all, there's just all, so many fun things like that to do on board Independence of the Seas before you even get to like, the Broadway-style shows and all the uh, great entertainment. And in addition to that, some great special Dog Nation events, too. Our national championship game rewatch party was phenomenal a year ago. The draft party is one of my great memories from uh, the uh, previous year. And there's going to be even more fun stuff like that coming up when we're on board uh, Independence of the Seas this April there as well. So our friend Jessica Slater, a travel agent specially selected for us 
for um, booking this cruise is put a website together. It's royaldogs.com. You can go there, royaldogs.com, get all the info you need about why this is going to be such a great experience. And then you can call Jessica, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Let her know you're ready to book it right now and be on board with us. We uh, hit the seas with in, on Independence of the Seas coming up this upcoming April. And by the way, hope you enjoy your own Royal Caribbean cruise travel leading up to that as well. You know I'm going to be doing just that. All right, let's talk third Saturday in October here for a moment. Uh, news on both sides. You may be aware of this. We haven't talked about this yet, but Jalen McCullough, starting safety for Tennessee, is facing a felony charge on an allegation of an assault taking place in an apartment complex. Now, we have no idea what went on here uh, as it stands right now. This just an allegation. So I'm not going to make any kind of judgment about uh, McCullough one way or another. Can we just bring the music down maybe just like one tiny little bit? Just one tiny little bit. Um, I'm not going to make any kind of judgment about McCullough one way or another here. I just simply don't know the facts in this case. But I do know this. This news comes at the wrong time for Tennessee. This is a potential distraction if it takes McCullough off the field. And if he's, by the way, guilty of the assault, then it should take him off the field. That's That goes without saying. But just keeping this to football for a moment, this is a Tennessee team that had a huge exodus out of the program a couple of years ago when Jeremy Pruitt was uh, removed from his job there. And Tennessee has been facing a little bit of a roster crunch ever since then. Not crunch in terms of getting down to the 85, but finding enough capable players to kind of populate a defense. To have a starter-level player taken away from you, and as I said before, if he's guilty of a crime, then he should be taken away. This is not a judgment on his guilt or innocence. I, I simply don't know. I'm talking about football here. If you lose your starting safety, that's a pretty big deal for a Tennessee defense that doesn't have enough players as it is. So this is a story worth following. Obviously, you want justice to be served one way or another. Uh, but in terms of keeping this uh, about the football part of this, bad news coming at the wrong time for Tennessee. We'll see how that goes and what McCullough's status is moving forward for the Vols. On the other side, very different situation, but also player availability in question when it comes to quarterback Bryce Young. I think most gambling experts would tell you that Young is probably worth about seven points on the spread in this game. That's not true for all quarterbacks in college football, and it's really not true for all players. Not, no, not even close to being true for players of a different position, but Young being the, raisin, the reigning Heisman Trophy quarterback is about a seven-point player in a game like this, and in a game that's somewhere expected to be decided between, like, say, uh, you know, a touchdown or two, that could be the difference in winning or losing for Alabama. So Nick Saban has said this week that he does believe, or at least the hint here is, the suggestion is that Bryce Young is on his way back. We'll see if that ends up being the case here. Uh, he's clearly a very important player, and his status is going to go a long way towards determining just how ready Alabama is for this game on Saturday. I saw where Ohio State has now moved into the position of being betting favorite for the national championship after they kind of dismantled Michigan State there on Saturday. And I think some people would be left to wonder, well, um, well if that be the case and the fact that you know there have been a lot of critics of Alabama after the close game against uh, Texas A&M, all the critics of Georgia after, you know, a number of things. Well, how come Ohio State's not ranked number one? Some people might ask. I was actually kind of thinking about that this, this morning myself. Like, Ohio State's the betting favorite, but why didn't they move up to number one when Georgia moved back into that position after Saturday? And here's the one thing I think you should consider about the Buckeyes. And, look, we don't know yet if they're going to live up to their hype and be a you know, truly elite team at the end of the season or not. But you may be aware of this, maybe you're not. On Saturday going to Michigan State – this was the first road game that Ohio State had played all season long. They'd played one, two, 
three, four, five home games in a row leading up to the game at Michigan State on Saturday. You know, no apologies. I should say no disrespect to Mel Tucker, but Michigan State's not very good this year. You get the win there. You're off next week if you're Ohio State this upcoming Saturday. Then you play another home game on the 22nd against Iowa. And then on October 29th, after really playing no road games of note all season, Ohio State's at Penn State. I've told you before, I think Penn State's actually probably pretty good. And I think this could be a pretty interesting test for Ohio State there in that spot. So in terms of Ohio State maybe being the best team in the country, having an argument to be made for that, it may be a few weeks before we have really any data point that matters for them. But a very odd schedule in the fact they played almost all home games here up to this point in time. I'll just mention one more thing real quickly. K.J. Jefferson is expected to return at quarterback for Arkansas this week. They played BYU. What a tough schedule for uh, Arkansas. Gauntlet in the SEC West and also playing, you know, fairly respectable team in non-conference like BYU. Seems like Arkansas plays a very tough schedule each and every year. It will make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, as promised, a chance to talk to the great former Georgia quarterback and a guy that does uh, so many great things and so much great insight when it comes to Georgia football. It is Jake Fromm back here on Dog Nation Daily. Jake, know how busy you've been as of late, so thanks for uh, making some time for us and certainly appreciate that and hope you're doing well. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Thank you for having me. Well, I'm glad to have you here. And On Saturday, we heard Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett say that he was a little concerned that his offense may, in the phrase he used, be pressing too much. We interpret that to mean trying a a little too hard. From your perspective as a quarterback who's done the same job that Stetson is right now, what does that mean to you when you hear a quarterback say, ooh, we may have pressed a little too much out there on this particular Saturday? Yeah, it's, it's really tough for them because they set themselves up uh, I mean, so well in those first three games uh, offensively. I mean, they did an unbelievable job. Uh, I mean, going back to the Oregon game, scored on their first seven drives. Uh, I mean, they were just playing lights out offensive football. So uh, right now we're seeing anything less of basically perfection. Uh, and you just uh, – it's just it, – it's, it's kind of – it's not quite what, what we're used to seeing. It's really tough on them. It's really tough on the guys too uh, mentally and the coaches as well. So – um, I think I think they're they're right there. They're very close to kind of getting that touch back that they had earlier. But it's a long season. Uh, it's the ebbs and flows going up and down. It's a roller coaster. You just got to maintain. And uh, I think I think they'll be okay moving forward. So one of the things that Stetson also said on Saturday is when he was kind of asked to evaluate the game, he's like, "Hey, we got to remember to like, go out here and have fun. We got to make sure this is fun." And what he said actually reminded me a lot of something you said after the Tennessee game in 2019 where you had a big game in Knoxville and it was a fun day. And um, at the end of the game in your post-game press conference, I remember this so vividly, you were saying that people had told you, make sure you go out there and have fun. Make sure you make sure you have fun. And what Bennett said on Saturday to me was so reminiscent of that. Is it hard to have fun when you're the Georgia quarterback and there are so many expectations that swirl around you at all times? That is so funny you bring that up because that's a, that's exactly what I was going to go to was 2019 uh, where you, we're, we're so close and everybody's just – we're so close to being so good and everybody's pressing just a little bit, a little too much and, and wanting, to ha- wanting to make it happen uh, so fast. And it just brings me back to 2019. And um, I, I, they, have, they have plenty of guys to do it. they got so many experienced heads in that quarterback room, 
uh, coaching-wise and player-wise with a lot of experience, too. So uh, they got plenty of time to, to figure it out, get all the kinks out, um, and, and then move on late in the season. But uh, got some big games coming up, yeah. so I better get on it pretty quick. No doubt about that. Do you think that Stetson is healthy right now? Because there has been some chatter about that. Kirby Smart's kind of downplayed it. Stetson sort of acknowledged it. He was kind of witnessed on Saturday coming out there a little earlier and, and maybe what appeared to be trying to get uh, make sure that shoulder was loose. From your perspective, do you think that Bennett's fully healthy here at the moment? I mean, I think you could go to anybody, uh, and, and if you were getting an honest answer from anybody in the middle of part of the season, uh, nobody's going to be 100% healthy. That's just football. It's the way it is. Um, I mean, you're just, especially as a quarterback, too, you're just going to play with a bunch of nicks and bruises and a few aches and pains. That's just that's just part of the deal, part of playing quarterback. And um, I, I think moving forward for him, it's just making sure he stays in the training room a little bit um, and get his body healthy week to week as much as he can. And uh, maybe eat a uh, second helping at dinner every once in a while. <laughs> I like the idea of that. That's the one part of that job that I feel like I might be able to do <laughs> is if, if that's what it requires. And you mentioned looking ahead, you know, Tennessee right now looks pretty good. Mississippi State right now looks pretty good. The month of November, you know, really kind of from the Florida game on is going to feel a lot different for Georgia than these maybe previous games have felt. As a player yourself, would you find yourself in a moment like this maybe getting excited about it. I know you can't look past Vanderbilt, and this Georgia team won't, of course, but there is something to be said for big-time players wanting to play in big-time games, and what Georgia's been doing the last few weeks, at least by the measure of the point spread, 30-point favorite in most of all, all of these games, they haven't felt quite as yep. big-time as what it's going to feel like. How much of you as a player and kind of perceiving these Georgia players themselves, how much of a craving is there to kind of be in games that matter where the only focus you can have is what you're doing there in that moment? How much do you I think these guys kind of look forward towards that? Oh, I look, they're, they're going to because it's, it's going to happen. It's going to be here fast because, um, you know, we, we get to look ahead. Kirby's not going to let those guys look ahead uh, past this week at Vanderbilt. But uh, I, I, I hate even myself even mentioning this, but uh, if Bryce Young doesn't play against Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, <laughs> hey, I, I think Tennessee is, is going to win this football game. Okay. So uh, I, I, that's a, a huge game moving forward next week. I hate to even say it. I hate to even bring it up um, because those guys need to be locked in on this week. Sure. But there, no, there's going to be no shortage of big games coming up, uh, so they better strap their boots on because it is coming. So, uh, and I think that's a really good point. Now, finish with this. I kind of talk about this off the top of the show. Obviously, you're an offensive guy, so you're busy doing your offensive stuff. But one of the things that Lorenzo Carter, your former teammate, said back in 2017 was, hey, you know, we spent a little time week to week working on the triple option offense because we wanted to be really ready for it when we played it, you know, at the end of that season because it was so different. And what I said was, hey, you know, the version of that now is the fact this Tennessee offense is different than what Georgia sees week to week because they play faster, they spread you out wider. Mike Leach is a little bit of a weird oddity, too, compared to what you might see week to week. And that if it was true that Georgia used to work on future opponents a little bit here and there, the way that Lorenzo Carter said they did, Kirby Smart's even acknowledged they do some work on future opponents. Do you think there's time for the defense, or maybe it's off-field analyst staff, things like that? Do you think there's a little bit of time here and there when, when you can squeeze it in to say, hey, later on this season, this is what you're going to see. Later on this season, this is different than what you're used to. Or maybe it's getting the scout team ready to show you that look you know, come later on in the year. Can you have some room and some time to look ahead to an offense that's just a little bit different than what you see on a week-to-week basis? 
Yeah, uh, you know, for sure. But, uh, you know, the way Coach Smart does it, and I hate to even kind of bring out a few of his secrets, he'll, he'll hide it kind of in the schedule without letting the guys kind of know what it is. So <laughs> you'll see some – yeah, you, you, I know. I'm, I'm releasing some good secrets here. But uh, they'll, they'll do some uh, good on good. And they'll call it uh, a fastball or a NASCAR or a NASCAR period, sure. excuse me. Uh, and so it'll be good on good, going fast. Uh, usually they do it a couple times a week uh, at the beginning of practice, kind of get everybody loose. But uh, I guarantee you there'll be a good on good period mixed in this week, obviously, and next week too of uh, those fastball periods uh, to get guys in shape, thinking fast, being able to communicate uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, and then executing as well. So uh, I would not be surprised if a few of those periods are mixed in even this week as well. Jake, it's great stuff. Appreciate you being here with us as always. Uh, obviously, as I said before, now you've got a lot going on uh, these days. So your time so valuable for us. Thanks for sharing your thoughts here on UGA. And we're like you. We can't wait for what's coming next for Georgia. And also looking ahead this Saturday, one more time to be between the hedges against Vanderbilt. That's going to be really fun there as well. Hope you've enjoyed watching it too. And we'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brennan. All right, good stuff there from uh, Jake Fromm. Always great to get the chance to talk to him. And by the way, speaking of good stuff, how about this good stuff there, too? Braves playoff action begins today. Now, the good news is is it's going to be a great atmosphere there at Truist Park. Bad news is there may not be a lot of tickets left, but you might be able to find some standing room only tickets for this. Uh, you can go to braves.com slash postseason and take a look at that. There might be some standing room only tickets, but if you can't be at the game, Go ahead and get ready to get settled in. Watch this today on television. Fox TV, just after 1 p.m. against the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies earned their way into this spot by winning that wild card uh, series against the St. Louis Cardinals. Now it's Braves-Phillies. Game one today, just after 1 p.m. Tomorrow afternoon at 4.35. There were, last time I checked, a couple of tickets left for the for the Wednesday game on uh, 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 4.35 on Wednesday afternoon. So you might be able to get some tickets there for that. Then, of course, you're talking about Game 3, Game 4, shifting back to Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. Game 5, back here in Atlanta if necessary. And let's face it, we hope it's not necessary because we hope the Braves kind of run their way through all of this. What a great time. I tell you, I just love this time of year. You got the dogs playing on Saturday. You got the Braves kind of rolling into that with some fun playoff action here this week leading into that weekend there, too. We are so, so uh, grateful to be able to have uh, these two great teams doing so many fun things. And you better believe this afternoon, the Georgia shirt's going off, the Braves shirt is coming on, and I'm going to get ready to get settled in. I got my own baseball game with my son later on tonight. But you better believe this afternoon I'm going to get settled in to watch Braves playoff baseball right there on Fox. And by the way, if you go to Braves.com slash postseason, that's the website I told you about a moment ago, Braves.com slash postseason, that's not just a place to get your tickets. It's a place to kind of follow you know, pitching matchups, you know, one of the Phillies running their big guys out there, what does the Braves rotation looks like, you know, all of the, the, the kind of news and the analysis to kind of lead into each of these games. That's kind of your sort of home base for all that, Braves.com slash postseason, Braves.com slash postseason. So look for some tickets today, maybe some standing room only. Uh, a few tickets left maybe for Wednesday. I know yesterday there was a, there were a few left for Wednesday, so you can kind of squeeze in there, maybe get some there on that. But let's get ready to root on the Braves because right here we say Atlanta Braves baseball. We are for the A and are ready to make another run towards another World Series title for these Atlanta Braves here this year. So best of luck with them as they do all of that. So uh, Braves.com slash postseason for more details. By the way, speaking of the weekend, obviously back in Athens on Saturday and a big part of our Kroger kickoff, our friends at the Durham Law Group. And we certainly appreciate what they do for us on game days and what they do for all of you 
when it comes to a really tough, tricky situation. You've been hurt, you've been injured, whether it be on the job or accident, something like that. When something happens to you, it's not your fault. You want to be made right, and that's what the Durham Law Group helps you do. They uh, go to bat for you. They go to work for you to get you what you deserve in a situation like this. They don't just practice personal injury law. They define it, and that means no fees, no expenses unless you win. Uh, That's what they're able to do for you. So give them a call. Tell them your story and find out what they can do for you. 844-4-GA-HERT. That's 844-4-GA-HERT. You can also visit them online at georgiahurt.com. That is georgiahurt.com. All right, so Roderick Robinson, four-star running back, flips from UCLA to the University of Georgia. And that is the theme of all of our golden shoes here today. A lot of folks having fun with this. Let's show you the first one here, uh, and I like it a lot. All right, we'll see if we can pull that out. There we go. Uh, So uh, Georgia Dog host uh, weighs in to say, when Kirby Smart flips someone, here's the meme. He says, listen, don't be angry. I know he committed to your school, but I didn't approve of it. Uh, I'm always hunting, and indeed that was the case. Kirby Smart out there hunting, bringing in that Roderick Robinson commitment there of yesterday. Uh, Daddy Dog 2 also weighs in to say with Branson Robinson and Roderick Robinson uh, coming down the railroad tracks in the future, it says uh, this may be the B&R railroad for the dogs looking ahead. He says, watch that train coming down the tracks. I like that as well from Daddy Dogs. Good stuff. Frankie Fibonacci also sent this to me from the UCLA football recruiting account. Did they really tweet this? It's uh, Bugs Bunny counting the money. I guess they also deleted the shoe. Uh, I should say deleted the tweet there as well. But the golden shoe sees everything. And the golden shoe gives one to Frankie Fibonacci for finding that. If that's real, that's uh, it's quite interesting on the part of a UCLA on that. And I uh, appreciate Frankie sending that to us. We'll give him a golden shoe there as well. How about those lousy, stinking Gators? Focused on Vanderbilt this Saturday. Future opponents maybe a little bit, but there's still plenty of time to think about the Gators there too and the fact that it's been 5,024 days since they have won a national championship. We will never forget about that around here, and we will never let them forget about that either. And we'll let you know, 18 days for right now, Georgia is coming for you. That is our Gatorator countdown. Eddie the Blind Squirrel approves of that. We will see you tomorrow right here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of George. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. We'll take a couple of your comments here. Uh, Tony Bernazard uh, weighs in to say, can we get the post-game show on the podcast platform? I think that's a good idea. What I was telling him is we may look and try to do this. We'd have to do that, though, on the regular Dog Nation feed. You know, Dog Nation Daily, obviously you're listening to right now, has its own sort of separate podcast feed. There's another Dog Nation feed for the the other Dog Nation shows. So maybe we could look into kind of putting that on there. Let me see if I can figure out more about that, Tony. I think it's a good idea. The ODC checking in on Mike Leach saying, who would ever thought the other Bulldogs would be this good? And we talked about uh, Mississippi State a little bit off the top of the program, and they are good. They've had a good season. One of the things I think that obviously on today's show we kind of focused in on like the Miss like the offense part of that the Mississippi State offense and what Georgia might be doing to get ready for that. However, I think that one of the things if you watch Mississippi State, you've kind of seen be true is they're actually pretty good defensively, better defensively than any point in time when Leach was coached at Washington State or or Texas Tech. He's kind of found an SEC version of defense, and when you think about. Um, uh, you know, the challenges associated with playing a team like Mississippi State, you do have to consider that defense. That's kind of part of those uh, challenges. Um, lover of dogs also kind of weighing in on Roderick Robinson and his flip from UCLA. He sarcastically says on Twitter, I don't really understand why he would want to come to Georgia when he could have gone to the mecca that is the Rose Bowl and play in front of eighteen to 24,000 people six times a year. 
it is really amazing how sparse the crowds have been for UCLA games this year. There's been some attention paid to that, despite the fact that UCLA really has a pretty good team right now. But uh, no crowd support whatsoever. And it just kind of goes to show you just how different the the level of play is, the the kind of level of support. The, the sport just feels so different here in SEC country. And that's one of the things that the other leagues have a really hard time trying to match is there's just a level of intensity around the SEC where a guy like you know Robinson from San Diego, there's no hometown pull, home state pull there whatsoever. It's the moment you are offered by an SEC school, then you're validated as a recruit in a way that the Pac-12 can't provide. And I don't know how some of these other leagues survive if they can't even win recruiting battles for, for guys in their own regions, in their own state. It is a very serious issue. And this, in this sense, it works out to the benefit of Georgia but if you care about college football as a national sport, the degree to which the other regions just can't compete, it's pretty alarming. It's pretty eye-opening, it is. So good comments. Thanks for being here as a part of our podcast, Cool Down Today. Uh, check out R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com. We're coming up on the winter. It means cold weather. It means getting your heating system ready for that cold weather. You can get it tuned back up to factory fresh specs today. Find them online, rsandrews.com. That uh, mega tune-up for your heating system only costs you 99 bucks. So make sure you check that out today. And we will talk to all of you tomorrow right here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia.